what everybody else got to say. If you constantly got your eyes on what everybody else doing, you ain't getting no money. When it comes down to posting a deal, I get it done. With another episode of Cornology. Yep, cha-ching. Hey, and you guess need to get a cha-ching noise. I need a cha-ching, and I need some claps too. I told Fonz I need claps, but I am sitting here next to none other than Mr. Trinidad James. Y'all give it up for Trinidad. Yes, 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 yes. I'm so excited to have you here. No, thanks for today. having me. How are you Th- feeling today? I'm feeling good. How about you? Um, I feel great. I just left the gym, so I'm like wired right now. Okay, so are you a health nut? No, I'm not a health nut, but what? I'm 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 a a health nut. I don't think that anything you should be a nut about unless it's Jesus Christ. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. But I think that um I believe in balance. I'm very Libra. Mm-hmm. Um and Anything that you would do on the, like, drinking turn-up side, you should be able to balance it on the workout, eating healthy side. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm just, I wouldn't tell you that, oh, I'm in that gym every day going crazy. I'm not. Mm -hmm. But every time I do get a chance or whatever, I'm going to go do it. Okay. So so what does your daily routine sound like as far as working out? Like Okay. So what I would do is I wake up, say a prayer, um, wake up right away or dogs back off. I would then kind of get to it. Um, what I would do is go to the gym. Uh, I usually do my workouts kind of like I do arms first, so like an arm day. Mm-hmm. So I start off with running a mile or running three miles. Running a mile or three miles mm-hmm. on the tread um, at like, I'd say about like seven miles per hour. And then anywhere from like six to seven miles per hour um, or higher if I'm like really, really getting it. Mm-hmm. And then I'll go to... Um, you know, ropes, um, leg raises, which is for your abs and stuff like that, um, lateral pull downs, um, and what else? So you're in there about two hours. I'll be in there about an hour and 15, mm-hmm. because then after that, um, after I do my arm workout, any workout I do, what I do, arm day, leg day, ab day, um, I'm all go to the gym, shoot 10 free throws. I can't leave until I hit 10 free throws mm-hmm. in a row. Because mm-hmm. that's just a mental thing. That's just about being able to, when you're gassed and you're most tired, hitting that shot that comes right from playing ball in school mm-hmm. or whatever. So it's kind of like it reminds me about business. It's like when everything is swarmed on me or whatever, I got to be able to keep my cool and hit the shot mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I always, every time I finish working out and I'm like super, super tired or drenched, no matter, I got to hit 10 free you gotta throws. You got to go further. And that's the endurance mm-hmm. of, of a champion. Amen. So you don't meditate every day? Not every day. Mm-hmm. Not every day. Um, because the way that I pray, it feels like meditation. Because mm-hmm. I don't just like, if I say, I say quick prayers or whatever, but then sometimes I just pray and I just sit in the prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like that's my meditation, mm-hmm. um, where I'm thinking about what I just prayed about. And then how do I make the blessing that I'm praying for come through? Mm-hmm. Um, you know saying? Am I putting in the work? Am I going against my prayer? How whatever. So I, I, I feel like that's my meditation. Like I think about my prayer after I say it. You know, some people don't understand that how they pray is very important to the manifestation of what they get, right? Amen. Because if you continuously pray and beg for something over and over again, it shows lack of faith, right? And so you're actually pushing away what you want versus thinking about what it is that 
you're trying to manifest. And that's why I sit so much in it. Mm -hmm. I would ever, like, I'm not even sleep anymore. I can't even go back to sleep. Once I open my eyes, I really can't go back to sleep. Mm -hmm. I would ever, unless it was just like a, I woke up just too, too early. Mm -hmm. um, but that's why I just sit in that prayer because it's like, sometimes I do always usually start my prayer off the same way. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? Thank you for life and health and strength. You know what I'm saying? Because that's first. Without that, all the business that I'm doing, want to do, mm -hmm. how am I making with no life, no strength? So how did you, so where did your, your faith come from? Was this something that you were taught as a child, experiences? Let's let's talk a little bit about your upbringing a little bit, right? So where yeah. are you from? So I was born in Trinidad and Tobago. Okay. Um, and I've lived a lot of places. I've lived in, uh, <clears throat> as a child, I've lived in Canada, New York, Florida, South Carolina, and obviously Atlanta. Mm -hmm. um, my mother's a Jehovah Witness. My father is a super Christian. Um, so he asked about my faith. Mm -hmm. That's where it started when I was a child in that household. Um, for me, religion will always matter because of my parents um, for so many different reasons. You know, to a certain extent, I would tell you that religion also split my parents apart. I would ever, um, because of the differences added to whatever differences they had as man and woman. Mm -hmm. You know, and so... Um, when it comes to religion, um, it didn't make me hate religion, but it made me stop going to anybody's like uh, religious function or church or a kingdom church. hall. However, mm -hmm. I was like, mm, God is with me. However, mm -hmm. whatever. So that's why once again, when I pray, I just sit in the prayer um, to just really, really make sure that what I'm praying for, I'm not getting in the way of it like we were talking about mm -hmm. earlier. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. One thing I think I'm noticing a lot of, and I'm sure you probably are too, the millennials today are not necessarily finding themselves going to a church every week? Well, I think it's a split because you have those particular um, influencers that's that age range of like 22 to 26 mm -hmm. where like they go to these really popular churches mm -hmm. or whatever. And then for the other people to like, no, mm -hmm. I don't believe in none of that. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. all a scam. Everything's a scam. I'm not dealing with it. Right. And it's opening the doors up to all type of other beliefs. Amen. I mean, right, right now, uh, Christianity is in a crazy place. Mm -hmm. You know, um, um, Christianity, even, I mean, uh, even like if you look at the, the, the if you, uh, I don't know how to say this, it's like Christianity is in a crazy place. Even if you look at the Jews mm -hmm. and Jewish people, like, mm -hmm. every, like it's, it's a really interesting time because you have people, it's happening not just here in America, but even over in like London and England or whatever, where like you, like you said, the millennials, they don't believe in those old ways or what that book is talking about. Like, nah, mm -mm. who wrote that book? Mm -mm. There's a lot of questions. It's a lot, a lot of, questions, of questions, and older people don't like questions. Right, and that's what's pushing the younger people away. The lack of answers and the Amen. lack of openness to answers. Yeah, not right? listening, just hearing. However, people want to be um, heard mm -hmm. or whatever, but a lot of people just listening to what they're saying, but they're not hearing it, however, and that's what the young people are realizing, and that's why they're so rebellious, mm -hmm. I think. So are you the only child? In a certain standpoint, you would say yes, but no. I have four brothers and four sisters, but I grew up by myself, so I do. I grew up an only child mm -hmm. spectrum. Mm -hmm. And so you grew up, mom and dad separated away age. Uh, high school. High school. How did you handle that? Um, I looked at it as an opportunity to get cooler with my dad. Mm -hmm. actually, in the start of ninth grade. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it didn't work out 10th um, grade, and I went to, came back to Atlanta because I was in South Carolina when they split. And um, I came back and lived with my mom for 10th grade. Um, then it didn't work out, and I went back to South Carolina for 11th grade. 
Um, with and when you said it didn't work out, what did, what does that mean? It didn't work out from the standpoint of um, like a, the school year would work out, but just the energy between me and my parent wouldn't work mm-hmm. out. So for me, I'm the type of person um, if you if we're close to each other. You know, especially, I mean, back then. Mm-hmm. Um, but even now, I mean, we are who we are. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm super, super close to somebody, according to what type of close it is, if it's something that could be like, uh, I feel that like this is just not going anywhere and it's going to make me hate you, I whatever, I'm going to just get away from you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to just leave. I whatever, and I've just always done that. You know, um, if a situation get too crazy for somebody that I care about, I love, mm-hmm. I'm going to get out. You just want to back out of I'm it. I'm out of it. I'm out of it. So the 10th grade, 11th grade, and then if you left mom, you left dad, so what did you do after that? So, I mean, I kind of just switched every year. Mm-hmm. So ninth grade pops, 10th grade mom, 11th grade dad, got into it with him again, mm-hmm. super crazier, and then 12th grade um, my mom mm-hmm. again, and then um, we were good. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because at that at that point... Um, she was just happy that the situation with me and my pops hadn't got worse mm-hmm. than it already was. Mm-hmm. She was just like, look, man. You know, she just kind of stayed out of my way. Mm-hmm. I mean, at that point, when I got to 12th grade, couldn't nobody tell me anything. Right, you were grown. Yeah, that. it was just like, let's mm-hmm. leave him alone. Were you already into music? No. No, okay. I didn't get into music till I was 23. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, you know, I used to be a rapper. For real? Yeah, my name was MC Glamorous One. Nice. I mean, I, went, I didn't, I wasn't out there. You know, <laughs> I'm embarrassing him over there. That's my son. Uh, yeah, that's my son. Okay, okay, but okay. yeah, I used to be a rapper back when I was younger. So I was, I've always had it in me. So you didn't know that you wanted to be a rapper until 23. Mm-hmm. Wow. And it wasn't that knowing I wanted to be a rapper. I just wanted to use music as another platform to take care of my family and to own my own clothing business okay you see the person who i was working for i've worked a lot of jobs Mm -hmm. um a lot um from uh being a waiter at waffle house a cook at waffle house working this back stock room at jc penny working in the clothing stores being a stylist cutting um doing uh what is it called landscaping Mm -hmm. um working in a moving company moving people out their houses Mm -hmm. over the ac white was a company i worked with here in atlanta um, I've done all the jobs that you could do mm-hmm. or whatever as a mm-hmm. teenager, as mm-hmm. just immigrant. I was an immigrant. I was an immigrant all the way up to like 22, mm-hmm. you know, 23 also. You know what I'm saying? Same time starting music. So, you know, um, not having my green card. So, like, that was a different, it's been a different grind for me. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm mm-hmm. about survival. So you weren't born, okay, so you, you came. I wasn't born in You America. weren't born, right. And so you came and then you obtained your green card a little bit later. Way later. Way later. Way later. So you had to also lay low then. Amen. Yeah, you had to be real careful. Amen. So, all right, so let's go back to, so you didn't know that music was in your in your cards. What did you think you were going to do when you were in high school? What were your plans? Oh, basketball. Basketball. Yeah, I was an athlete. You know, I played basketball. I played uh, shooting guard, played quarterback. Um, I ran track. Mm-hmm. I ran, you know what I'm saying? I was pretty good. You know okay. what I'm saying? I got some trophies and stuff. Okay. Did you get any scholarships to school? I said, what's it called? All those going back and forth to high schools, I lost my eligibility coming into the senior year. And that kind of just kind of crushed me because I was just like, well, I don't know what I'm going to do mm-hmm. um, because that's the only, like, aspiration I kind of really had mm-hmm. was sports. Um, I wasn't really, like um, – amazing at anything else outside of like dressing well mm-hmm. and things like that like fashion um and like just having an image mm-hmm. um but i wasn't like influences wasn't a thing 
back then. Back then, right. It wasn't a right, thing. You right. know what I'm saying? Like if the I brand could, ambassadors. Yeah, yeah, like I would have been crushing the influencer mm-hmm. scene in high school mm-hmm. if that was a thing like how it is now for high schoolers. Mm-hmm. Because I was popular, very popular for my outfits. You know what I'm saying? And just for my energy in general. So did you feel kind of lost? So you graduate from high school. And, yep. and there was no direction, Well, right? it was a little bit different for me because shout out to my guidance counselor. I can't remember her name. She's a really pretty lady. Mm-hmm. Um, she got me a job during summer before before 12th grade. Okay. I would have ordered like something like during or some somewhere, like in 12th grade or something like that. Okay. Somewhere in there. And that job she got me was the moving job, the relocating job relocation job and I was getting paid pretty nice mm-hmm. or whatever because it's like a pretty hard labor job mm-hmm. um, and I did so well at that job that when the the time was up like the summer program was up it was like yo you should just stay we want you to stay or whatever and like really come on as a actual manager of the warehouse mm-hmm. I was young as hell when they asked that so that means I was like I've always had that like leader skill leader. or to it. put the work in to mm-hmm. like, you know what I'm saying? Like these old men I'm working with, like mm-hmm. older, like I'm a teenager and working with like 30, 40, 50, 60 years. I remember this dude named Mr. Pee Wee. He had like no teeth. <laughs> he was like 65, mm-hmm. knees gone, everything, mm-hmm. driving trucks or whatever for the moving company. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, and I learned a lot from him, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Because I learned who I don't want to be, respectfully. However, I was like, nah, I was like, they kind of, it felt... It was interesting. It kind of felt like he was a slave again. Mm-hmm. So at 17, 18, 19, you could see Mr. Pee Wee and say, that's not going to be me. Yeah, I didn't want that to be me. Right. I would have, whatever's going to be me, obviously, is going to be it's me. Not, but I don't want it to be. You don't be, want it to I don't be, want that You route. don't want to be Pee Wee. You know what I'm saying? Right. So music is still not an element. Like, I'm right. in the working world. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you know, I'm, I'm hustling on the streets, too, um, just doing it my way. I'm just, I'm survival mode mind you I don't have no green card mm-hmm. I'm moving low mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying so it's different it's like I got a mom to take care of mm-hmm. I would ever be um and it's real and uh the the aspect of being able to go through all these moments led to me landing at the time what was my dream job which was working in the Dope clothing boutique, mm-hmm. like how you got Wish here and ATL, Antidote, mm-hmm. Good Times, blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. However, back then um, it was a store called Ginza, G-I-N-Z-A. Um, they were new to the underground Atlanta, right on top of the underground where Balboa used to be, like right next to it. Mm-hmm. And um, I got that job um, randomly. I've always been a shopper, mm-hmm. always, um, and shopping in the store. One night, um, it's the owner. He was a Korean guy from Chicago. Mm-hmm. And uh, I came in. I didn't really know him. I knew his other workers. There's a black girl, a black girl and a black guy. Mm-hmm. I was kind of getting cool with them because they like my taste. Whatever the things that I was into are the things that they really wanted to push, but people in Atlanta wasn't really on it yet because mm-hmm. they were bringing Chicago fashion to Atlanta because he was from Chicago. Mm-hmm. And so, but I was, all, I know what's up. So it was like, oh, they got this, they got this. I'm like, oh, this is hard. I, I rock with this store, right? They're bringing some new flavors today. Mm-hmm. And so one night I'm in there um, shopping um, and. Welcome to Coinology, the podcast. Need to know a little bit about Coinology. Need to learn how to make more money. You want to just find out more about people? Tune in, man. Just tune in. Cornology.
Welcome to Coinology, the podcast. I walk in, go in, boom, I'm going over, I'm looking, I don't know, something. And then two other guys come in. The owner's there. I don't really know him, so I didn't spark up a conversation. Usually I would spark a conversation up mm-hmm. with the other people who work there. Um, but he different. So I was just like, eh, I'm going to go this way. You know, to hurry up and buy vibes. And long story short, I'm over here handling what I'm handling. The dudes who come in, they are um, they like asked to see denim and jeans and stuff like that they had behind the counter. He shows it to them, boom, they're looking at it, they snatch it, run out with the stuff. They run, they steal, snatch and grab, mm-hmm. right? He takes off behind them or whatever, like with a gun or whatever, in the underground. Mm. You know, it's in evening time, they're about to close or whatever. Um, so I'm like, yo, what the hell just went down? I'm still in the store. Um, so in my mind, I don't know why I thought about this, but I just locked the door and went and sat down because in my mind, I was like, I didn't want him to think that I had something to do with, with them. I don't, right. I don't know them right. or whatever. So I hear the gun go off. And I'm like, I'm about to get out of here because he might be so mad. He might just shoot me thinking that, like, hey, you with that too. You know what I'm saying? I don't know this crazy Asian man. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That's right. And so, you know, um, he comes back or whatever. Um, the door is locked. How whatever, I go to the door. He's looking at me kind of crazy because he's like, why is my door locked? Mm-hmm. Um, I open the door. I was like, hey, man. You know what I'm saying? I was like, yo, I ain't had nothing to do with that, man. I just wanted to kind of, you kind of left your register open the register was kind of open or something like that because of something he was doing i ain't touched nothing i wanted to show him like hey bro mm-hmm. i ain't got nothing to do with that and so that moment happened he was like he felt it kind of weird he, felt, he was a little weird about it throwing off my office he has a gun in his hand mm-hmm. you know um but he was like thank you i guess or whatever and i was just like yo man be safe and i just left anyways at the time i'm working at the waffle house as a cook and a waiter, both. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the one off Chester Bridge by um, by Onyx, the strip club. That's mm-hmm. why I, I shout out Onyx and I'll go everything because mm-hmm. those girls used to eat with me at the Waffle House that was right there. Mm-hmm. And um, she, he, I, I'm at work one day and I get a call from the people who work for him, the guy who works for him. And he's like, yo, what's up, man? Boom, how you doing? Boom. I was like, yo, what's up, bro? Boom, he's like, oh, you, I was like, you got them jeans yet or whatever? I was waiting on some LRG jeans or some shit. Mm-hmm. And... Um, he he was like, nah, but would you like to work here? How whatever, and I was like, what? He was like, yeah, what to call it? Whatever went down with you and the boss, um, he just uh, he wants you to come in for mm-hmm. an interview. How whatever, and I was like, all right, bet. Um, so I went in for the interview. I didn't even have a resume because I've never had no resume. Mm-hmm. How whatever, all the jobs I've got, it was either through like an older person recommending me. Mm-hmm. Or I just looked apart, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so when I went to the job, you know, he was like, so you have a resume? I was like, nah, you asked me to come here. Mm-hmm. Uh, whatever. And um, he was like, uh, basically, I got the job. When I got the job, because he already knew he could trust me. And I started as a just a regular sales associate. And then over like about three years, three years and a half, um, I became his number two. Um, open and close. I learned everything that I wanted to learn about running a cool store to where my dream job, I'll tell you all this backstory to, because for the bigger point. My dream job 
became my biggest nightmare. Mm. And that's what made me shift into wanting to do music at 23. Okay. Because your original question is asking me about, like, you never had the notion mm-hmm. at 17, 18, 19, 20, 21 mm-hmm. to be a rapper? Mm-hmm. No. I had an ambition to be one of the best hustlers in Atlanta, Georgia. Because it's like I'm from here, but I'm also an immigrant in this place. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm making waves and whatever, you know what I'm saying? I got this image that mm-hmm. people are just want to take a picture with me and my crew, because my crew had an image too, mm-hmm. who I used to roll with. We would just fly. We was, they were doing music, mm-hmm. but not like out there really doing music. They like music. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, I'll tell you the story of my biggest dream job becoming my biggest nightmare because I'm working there, we crushing it. You know, I've had summers where I've made this man a quarter million dollars in the summer selling shorts, just shorts, car, camo shorts, cargo shorts, or whatever, like 2010, when Wiz Khalifa popped on the scene and that was his style, or whatever. I put the whole city, oh, that was the, I put the city on that. Snapbacks at my time, mm-hmm. the reason why snapbacks are just a thing you see in this city is because we flooded the city back in those days when I worked at that store. It might seem like crazy, but if you really know, I put you on snapbacks. I brought it back to the city. It's not like it never was here. It's just we brought it back in abundance. We made Michelin S stop making fitteds to start making snapbacks. That's how many, that's how big the request and the, the demand the was. The demand was. Exactly. So, but how did it become a nightmare? So the nightmare now comes when, you know, I'm working this guy like three and a half years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we've had a lot of conversations or whatever because that's my guy. I'm his guy. Mm-hmm. And I've watched... 23 people get hired and fired while I was still there mm-hmm. in three and a half years. Mm-hmm. I'm not even exaggerating. That's a real number. I counted. Mm-hmm. And um, we're just talking one day. He's sitting at the register. I'm sitting on the side chair. That's to the side. Mm-hmm. And we're just chopping it up, just talking or whatever. And I was like, hey, man, how's your son? He had a kid. He had a kid older or whatever, like in his 30s. So it was a little different. And um, he was like, man, you know, a typical thing that somebody would say, man, it's, they're getting bigger than me, mm-hmm. that type of thing. Because he hadn't brought the son down to the store, so I hadn't really, I hadn't seen him or anything. And mind you, like, it's not like he has to, but the relationship that we build because we're in a mom and pop store, we're kind of like family. So if you have a child, I should see that child. Because mm-hmm. if I have a child, you gonna you'll see the child. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's like, shh, you help me raise this child. Mm-hmm. I make you money so you can take care of that child. Respectfully, I'm not even I'm not mad or anything. Like right. I'm just telling the mm-hmm. truth, you know. And so um, we're talking. I was like, you know, how is he doing? He's like, oh man, getting bigger than me. Boom, boom. And we just talking, and he just says, calm as the summer day. Uh, man, one day you be working for him. Um, not out of malice, and not just talking. Mm-hmm. And mind you, this is a long time ago. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't nobody talking to my immigrant ass about like black owned businesses mm-hmm. or you should do your own thing. I had it in me. I wanted my own shoe store, mm-hmm. but nobody was all the black owned business stuff that we hear consistently now. Nobody 15 years ago, 12 years ago, however long ago this was, if this is my 10th year, yeah, uh, yeah 11, 12 years ago, mm-hmm. was talking about no black owned business. Mm-hmm. And we're not. Mm-hmm. I'm just being honest. That's right. Not in. I'm here in Atlanta. I'm in it. Mm-hmm. I'm dealing with the dealers, the students, GSU, and I'm right in it. Mm-hmm. I would have nobody was pushing the agenda mm-hmm. of black-owned businesses. Mm-hmm. But when he said that, something triggered in my heart, in my mind, where I was like, "No, the hell, I won't." Did 
but did you think you were going to take over for him? Did you think he was going to? Yes, because we had he he's the oh I didn't give you a part of the story. Okay. He was the first person to plant in my seed that I could have my own business. Because he was like, bro, I'm going to give you this one and open up another one. You're crushing it. Nobody even believed that I work here. That, that is my store. They think mm-hmm. it's my store. Mm-hmm. If you ask people, they have thought forever that that store was my so store. So he basically led you on to believe that he was going to potentially leave that business to you. Because he didn't have a son at the time when he planted the seed. Okay. He planted the seed because I was like his son. Right. So he planted that seed genuine. It was a mm-hmm. genuine seed. I don't think it was So it lie. wasn't out of mouth. I don't think, it, I don't think any of it was ever, because that's my boy. Right. Are we you still boys. cool with him now? Yeah. Okay. You know what I'm saying? If I ever needed like big business advice, mm-hmm. whatever, because like he's he's very successel. He the store, he's doing his own thing now. Mm-hmm. How whatever, you know what I'm saying? So like from time to time or whatever, I'll just tap in just you know, just good energy. We got good energy with And each I other. think now you probably understand it was generational wealth. He he's looking at yeah, building his pops had a store. Right. And his pops pops had he, a store. And so <laughs> he was supposed to leave it to his son, right? Yeah. That's what he it wasn't. Told. It wasn't. But it, it just clicked something in your head, though, at that moment. Yeah, like, like no, I won't. Right. No, I won't be working for yourself because mm-hmm. I was like, that's a long time. I mean, damn, this what I'm finna do forever now. Nah. Mm-hmm. And so that was the first chip in my back to be like, okay, I need to do something else to add to this. Let me ask you this though: Why? What made you decide to go the legal route and go work at Waffle House? Go work at the store. You know, there was so many other ways you could have. What what told? What made you say I'm going to do this this way versus another way? I would think that is my parents. Mm-hmm. I never saw them do it illegal. Mm-hmm. They always did illegal. So it was never even, even when we were illegal. We did illegal. Mm-hmm. So that's the standard that was set in my household mm-hmm. when my when my parents were together and even separately apart. They still kept it. You know, what I'm saying the hardest of times. You know, it's when you don't got no green card, no nothing. You know that you, if you mess up. That's it. That's it. And like uh-huh. people treat you like nothing. Mm-hmm. I would have. They ain't trying to get you no job. They ain't trying to look out. I would have. I know exactly what that feel like. Mm-hmm. My parents know exactly what that feel like. Mm-hmm. But no matter our hardest times, they kept it legal. So that was how I look at it. It's like I'm gonna do my best to keep it as legal as I can. So how long were you actually at? the rap game before you actually had your hit? Like how long were you trying? Because some people have been trying for 15, 20, mm-hmm. they're 50 years old, still talking about, I'm going to have a hit next right. week. That's true. Right? And you, this wasn't something that you aspired. Right. Right? So how long were you at it before you had your first hit? Um, so I wasn't, you see, the thing about it is I wasn't trying to have a hit. Mm-hmm. What I was doing is, is establishing the things that I did my homework on that you have to establish to become an artist that can make hits. I just was able to write within my first 12 songs a hit. Thank God. Mm -hmm. But when I was doing my homework and going to other people's shows and being a... uh, being a professional music listener, Mm -hmm. or whatever, um, I was... that was just taking over my body. I already had the image. So, like, when I'm doing my homework, like, okay, Back when I ran that store, I uh, got the the honor of dressing people like Travis Porter before I ever did music. They were my clients. Mm-hmm. Um, be more specific, Ali from Travis Porter. Um, you know, DJ Scream, um, who does the Big Facts podcast. Shout out to that business. Mm-hmm. Um, DJ Holiday, um, DJ Spins. These different popular people, and I could name more and more, but these different people... Um, will come down and rock with me, and my style is the style 
that they wanted to kind of look like without, you know, men, we got pride. Mm-hmm. How would I, without kind of like coming straight out and say it? Without saying, hey, where you get that from? You know what I'm saying? Right. Because I got it right here in the store. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? Right. But it's like the way that I put it, put it together, together is different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so um, I already knew that that was the thing that is like, I can't really give you that. That's mm-hmm. just me. It's just who you so are. So I knew it was Because I see this necklace you have on right now, right? right? I've never seen another dude wear that before. You, and you never will because right, I got this 5,000 miles away from here. But right, India, right? I got to go close to India. I got this in Asia in the airport from an Indian jewelry store. Because I can tell it's Indian gold, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So I can tell, you know, Indian gold has a whole different tint Amen. or whatever. But And then even with your nails, right? Right. I So... I just noticed probably within the last two years, there's another guy, his name is Jaquel. He's okay. actually a um, fashion designer as nice. well. And every time I see him, he has a, he had expresses himself through his nails. Right. And I, I was caught off guard at first, right? I didn't right. know what. So tell, w- w- talk to me a little bit about your expression with your nails. So art. You know, um, my truest form, I think that um, art is actually what I stand for. Mm-hmm. And my body is a canvas. So... You know, I don't look at my nail techs as nail techs. I was like, man, that girl do dope-ass art. Come mm-hmm. do some of that art on me. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? This is done by um, a black-owned business, a black girl here in Atlanta named Dasa Effects. How whatever, like, she did this by hand. You know, About, what, two, three hours? Four. I can imagine, because that seems like a lot of detail. You know what I'm saying? And, like, that just, like, when I see this and, like, the care that I put into myself, you know, it, it's a, it's a, once again, this is a business that we're in. This is my mm-hmm. 10th year. Mm-hmm. However, my image is 75% of my business. Mm-hmm. However, like, I'm just being honest with you. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I have to keep myself together. But it's not, I just can't be traditional because I didn't start traditional. Mm-hmm. How you start in this is not necessarily how you have to finish. That's right. But certain things you can keep consistent. Because I know when I researched you, I don't see you as a rapper. Right. I see you as a businessman. Right. Right. Because there's so many tentacles. Mm-hmm. Would you would would you agree? Oh, I agree with you. Okay. Because I know just recently one of I don't I don't know how you feel about the conversations that have been going back and forth with Kanye, but I know that was one of his biggest areas of concern is that he felt like people were putting him too much in a box and just calling him a rapper. Mm-hmm. And he's accomplished so much mm-hmm. from that perspective. Um, what are your thoughts about that? What are your thoughts about being put in a box? Yeah, I mean, you know, I try to be the representation of what it looks like to how you need to move when you don't want to be in a box. Mm-hmm. See, a lot of nobody wants to be put in a box, but it's easy to be put in a box because it's like, okay, this is my nine to five, this mm-hmm. box, mm-hmm. and I get paid out of it, and the payout is not too bad. But I just, I've never liked being told what to do. Like I told you back when I said, when I get what got to my mother's house, twelfth grade, can nobody tell me what to do no more? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like literally, that's like seventeen, eighteen. So you know, for a long time. I've been doing exactly what I want to do, the way that I want to do it, right or wrong, every single day of my life. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I didn't get into music to be famous. I didn't get into music to be cool. I already was pretty cool in the city of Atlanta. I'm selling all the drip to all the people that are cool. So you got into it for what? I got into it so that I could open up another revenue stream to own my own store. I, w- I wanted to get my own store after the, the dude said that to me about his son. Um, I was like, oh, no. So your goal was to... Own my own store. Own your own store. So you said, okay, I'm going to uh, make some music, sell it. Yeah, I had something to say. Musically, I had something to say. Were you independent? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you know, I didn't have nothing. So what? I had nobody. Wait, so you were independent artist is, is the question. Yeah, I mean, what's it called? Um, I had the motivation of my friends around me because they were doing music, recording at the house. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I started kind of like slick managing them and helping them out, getting them clothes because... 
That's what I do. I'm the clothes man. Mm-hmm. Um, found him a studio. Found him an engineer because I felt like they were kind of hustling backwards recording in the house. It wasn't good equipment. Mm-hmm. Or whatever. It was making cool songs or whatever. We even made a song. One of my first songs. Like one of my first two or three songs. One of those songs, we took it to a talent show on Beautiful Highway and we won a talent show. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So it's like that was a notion of like, hey, bro, you kind of got something there. But when we won that talent show, there's five of us on the song, four or five of us on the song. We're not a group. Uh, we just... Cool, so we, everybody jumped on and did a verse or whatever type thing. Um, what the grand prize was, $500. <laughs> right. I'm a real hustler. What are right. you going to do with that? It's right. five of us. Like, bro, y'all keep that. I ain't even getting <laughs> the money. You know what I'm saying? And that, that kind of made music like a waste of time mm-hmm. to a businessman like myself mm-hmm. or whatever. So, yes, I'm a businessman. Jay-Z's my favorite, not because of how good he raps. It's because of how good of business he does. He diversifies. And I, and I think, it's, to me, it's a slap in the face whenever someone describes him as a rapper. Yeah, I'm like Jay Z, a rapper. That's it. That's yeah. the, that's all this conversation about. Right, the right, right. I don't even want to talk to you. Right, that's it's a waste a, of time. It's a, a big waste of time, and I think people not understanding it. So, you basically understood the mechanics of business. So most people they go to the to the studio, waste a lot of time in the studio, getting high, drunk, playing around, wasting money. And coming out there with maybe something, right? right. So I'm assuming because you went into it with something else in mind, you didn't waste a lot of time with that. Definitely not, especially in the beginning. In the mm-hmm. beginning, I had to really ration out the money that I was budgeting to the side to mm-hmm. not go to the studio. Because now it's $25 an hour for this white man that's recording me. Shout mm-hmm. out to my boy, Jay Patron. <laughs> um, you know, but that's how I looked at him when I first walked into it. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm from Atlanta. I don't really be dealing with too many white folks mm-hmm. back then. What are you about? Mm-hmm, which but, you really won't. You know, what's going well, on? Well, it's 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 a a lot of distrust, right? Yeah. I think that's what the whole conversation is about now. Whether you agree or not agree with what is going on in the culture right now, um, depending on when this airs. But right now, we're in the midst of the drama with Kanye and so forth. Regardless of what you believe, but there's a lot of distrust. Mm-hmm. And I don't necessarily know if the distrust is strictly about a certain ethnicity, but you really can't trust anybody in this game. I tell people that all the time. You have to watch everybody. Yeah, and what I would to piggyback off what you're saying, you know, um, I I said this just yesterday um, that I learned racism in the South. I was born in Trinidad. Um, classism and those type of things exist, but you're not taught racism. You're not. It's not said to you the way that, like, when you come here, it'd be like, man, fuck no votes over there. Like, it's mm-hmm. different. I'm like, why are y'all talking about it like that? What's this beef? Like, mm-hmm. why you don't like this dude because of skin color? Mm-hmm. Like, I had to kind of, like, wrap my mind around that. And because I grew up here in my main years, um, you know, elementary, middle, high school, especially middle high school, I was like, well, I'm riding with the black culture. Mm-hmm. I don't agree with the way that everything is going down because I also, mind you, in high school, I did a flip-flop every year. I saw ninth grade, South Carolina, all-white school. Tenth grade, Atlanta, all-black school. Eleventh grade, South Carolina, all-white school. Twelfth mm-hmm. grade, all-black school. So it's like... Well, you know, I had a girlfriend. She was from Trinidad, and she did not classify herself as being African-American. Welcome to Coinology, the podcast. Two. You see... It's nothing like chronology. You can get it in a book or you can get it in a podcast. Keep watching. Chronology the podcast.
Welcome to Coinology, the podcast. She considered herself as Indian and Asian. So there was, um, so did you ever consider yourself as Asian? Never. But the reason why she probably does that is like, because from a, on the map for anybody, there's a lot of people that don't know where Trinidad and Tobago is. Mm -hmm. So uh, you got to fly to Miami or you can fly to Dallas. Mm -hmm. And then you take uh, either uh, like a three and a half, three and 45 minutes, four hours tops flight to Trinidad and Tobago, which is on the West Indies. So you go past Haiti. It's really close to Jamaica and Barbados. Um, and the reason why I'm get telling you this is they call it the West Indies because you have blacks and then you have Indians, like like Indian Indians. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is probably where she's pulling that from or whatever because, like, my mother's Indian. Mm-hmm. However, my father's from Tobago. However, it's Trinidad and Tobago, too. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, like, dark-skinned black man mm-hmm. or whatever, you know what I'm saying? But, like, my mother's mother's... Indian is all Indian can be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my mother is black and Indian because her father is black. Mm-hmm. You know, and so um, that's probably why your friend uh, probably goes to that extent. The but Asian. she looks like me, though. So it's a challenge for her because I'm like, but sis, you look like me. Right. And I, you see, the thing about it, me going to Africa for the first time this year, mm-hmm. what I'm going to tell everybody, American, Trinidadian, look, we all black, y'all. Mm-hmm. We all black. Mm-hmm. I know that... If you, your family, family, a lot of people only listen, they, they based what they know about life and legacy based off of their grandma and great grandma. Mm-hmm. They don't really do much research past that mm-hmm. or whatever. But in reality, a lot of things that they do on the island of Trinidad are African originally. Well, and you find that a lot of people try to separate themselves from being African. Yeah, like or better, a, I'm a better black course. Right. Like, the self-hate stop, stop. is something is something real. We got to stop that. Right. Because I'm, I'm, I'm talking to you from a person that was born in Trinidad and Tobago, so I have mm-hmm. a black Trinidadian perspective. Mm-hmm. I grew up in the real America. Mm-hmm. People who know me know that. So I have a black American perspective. Mm-hmm. Or whatever, like black Americans in America rock with me because they know that I represent the culture mm-hmm. for real, for real. Mm-hmm. Like not not even trying. Mm-hmm. How whatever is just I grew up in it for you real. Grew up. And then I and, went to and, Africa. And the reality is that's what they see you as, right? Yes. They yeah, don't yeah. see me as Trinidadian. That's right. When I go over here to the east side, west side, wherever I mean, like anybody's talking, about, oh boy, you from Trinidad? No. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're like, he from the south side. <laughs> that's how you know what I'm saying? Right. That's different. right. However, then I went to Africa and I saw the black African perspective. However, from I was like, yo, I'm in Africa, and I'm looking at a gentleman, and he looks exactly like someone I know in America. Same smile, same nose, same eyes, mm-hmm. same laugh. And I know somebody in Trinidad the same way. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing things that we do in Trinidad that they do in Africa, yeah. right there in Africa. Mm-hmm. How the same noises, same all type of things, how whatever. So for me... I don't believe in that type of black classism that we do a lot to each other, mm-hmm. but I understand why your friend will identify as Indian Asian mm-hmm. to a certain extent because her mother and them probably Indian and mm-hmm. then probably got some Asian mixed in there. So it's like, 
That's yeah. what you're going to roll with if you, because your family can kind of prove Well, you. you know, the other thing, too. Now, Trinidad, should I call you Trinidad James? Should I call you James? Trini, what should I call you? James him? is fine. James is fine. So this is the thing, too. I think that one, we as black people or as a culture need to also respect the fact that we can have different thoughts, different views. And I think that's what, another thing we're seeing that's happening now. If we choose to not agree, then we cancel. What do you think about this whole cancel culture? Um, well, you, millennials, mm-hmm. you know, they just, they just, they look at everything as bullshit, mm-hmm. which I'm not mad at because a lot of it is bullshit. It's dangerous though. It is. It's dangerous. It is. But at the same time, a lot of things got to get canceled. Sometimes you got to burn the root in order to grow back in healthy fruit. But healthy should, fruit. But let me ask you this though, but should someone get canceled because they just don't agree? No, you should not get canceled because you don't agree. Um, when you get canceled because you don't agree, um, it's always going to be based on the topic and your impact. Mm-hmm. Um, people agree, disagree all day, but it's just you and a few people on Twitter arguing. Mm-hmm. Whatever, who cares? It don't really hit nothing unless you're really impactful to something that matters. Or, or you can lose $2 billion, $2 billion in one day. day. That's no joke. Yeah. I mean, you got to think about it, but money, it's not real. Mm-hmm. It's there. Oh, whatever, but it's like you can make it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's you like. Can, and one of the things I'm going to tell you this, I, I think it's going to be a good lesson for everybody. And we're going to go back to the, I, I talk, because Ye, I mean, is one of my favorite rappers. Nice. Okay? Just is what it is. He is. But I think what he's going to show also is that I can lose it, you can take it, and I can get it back. Amen. Right? And that's what real winners do. Exactly. Real winners. And also, they don't allow people to dictate their thought pattern. Whether you agree with what he says or not, that's he stood by what he believed. Yeah. Right? To piggyback off what you're saying, I mean, what the hell is a winner? What the hell do people think winning is about? They think it's money. What so they the think fuck? that taking $2 billion from him is going to make But it, he said, I'm not driven by money. And so that's why I think a lot of people, when they hear the word coinology, they think that it's about money. And it's not because, as you said, money is a figment of your imagination. It's the idea of success. Right. Your process. Right. That's what I think this show is about. Right. You know, so, I mean, with that, that, and that's that's literally everything. You know, so like Michael Jordan, he played 20 years. He only got six rings. Mm -hmm. I mean, he only won six years and lost 14. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Kobe Bryant. He played a decade in Los Angeles. Rest his soul. Mm-hmm. Rest his daughter's soul. Mm-hmm. He only got five rings. Mm-hmm. I mean, he lost 15 years. Those last six years of Kobe's career, mm-hmm. I hated people. Yeah, They were dogging him. Everybody. Talking bad about him. Why won't he just quit? Why? But, they, but look, you know, they're going to talk bad about the winners anyway. And that's what it's about. LeBron brings that that all the time. He says, "You, if you're not talking about you, you're not doing anything." Come on, right? That's the truth. Mm-hmm. That's the truth. You know. So, you know, I look at. I've always looked at people like that. Mm-hmm. You know, when I came over as an immigrant, my parents loved the Utah Jazz in '98. I love Michael Jordan. You know, what I'm saying that's who I was into. Mm-hmm. You know, so it went from Michael Jordan to uh, LeBron James. You know what I'm saying? The Kobe's, the AI's, you know, everybody got a different version of confidence. Mind you, I'm giving you athletes because I grew up an athlete. Mm-hmm. That's what in my mind. I was like, I'm mm-hmm. going to college. I'm going to play ball. I'm nice. How whatever, boom, boom, boom. You know what I'm saying? I can dress well. I'm going to crush it. How whatever, you know, it's, it was different. Those are the people that I put like, yo, look how they move. You know, when basketball and sports didn't work out, I still looked at how they move. 
as a business. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because life continues, a right? A champion is a champion. Yeah, right? exactly. Grammy Award winning. Yeah. Hey. Right? Yeah. So how did how did you move into that space? Um, you know, the first five years of my career, I didn't move into spaces. The spaces carried me there. I was in the ocean. Mm-hmm. And I was allowing the wave to take me where it's taking me Mm -hmm. and just making sure I don't drown. Mm -hmm. So you just followed. Just followed the energy and Mm -hmm. didn't chase fame. Energy. I followed the energy Mm -hmm. and didn't chase fame. I made Mm -hmm. a conscious decision in 2013. Um, A deal got signed, um, and they put out there like, oh, Trinidad James made $2 million. Boom, boom, boom. I watched my phone in a hotel in L.A. off Melrose. I watched it ring until it went dead. And I was like, this is bad. This is bad. It's bad from two ends. When we did our business, I told him I wanted to keep it private. Literally the next day, it was the biggest news. Mm. So I was like, hmm, the people who just gave me a check, been doing this for a million years, this big corporation, just got kind of like, just did some like, I don't know. It felt dishonorable. Mm-hmm. It felt chatty patty ish. I was like, that's weird. Did you question the motive? Yeah, because I was like, what the hell? I understand it now. Mm-hmm. So, but, what, 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 so, so the reason, so yeah. I understand it now was there's like, look, this is business. If you are the most popular, like you're the biggest thing on planet Earth and everybody wants you. Like I got that feeling that I wanted to have with all the colleges giving me recruitment letters. Mm-hmm. I got that in music. Mm-hmm. I would have because all the label came with their pitch and their recruitment letter. Every single one. Everybody. Literally everybody. Oh. Mm-hmm. You know, so I got that feeling that I wanted in sports. I got it in music mm-hmm. then. But based on how, you know, I think what kind of even got me my deal was the conversation that I would have with these people, kind of like on one-on-one or just in general, where mm-hmm. it was like, it kind of puzzled them because you had this like wild pink lion in the jungle that you're trying to tame and put in a box, mm-hmm. put in a cage. But then when you meet the lion, he's not roaring at you. He's talking with you, listening to you. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Just letting you know who I am. I might have on a crazy outfit, but that don't mean that I'm crazy. Mm-hmm. It's just my expression of myself, you know, and um, they liked that. I think they liked it because it just was like, nothing is like this mm-hmm. or whatever, and I got to rock with it. And um, I understood that the reason, mind you, the reason I'm telling you this is looking at it when I look at it now, the second five of my years, well, second five years, it was just like, you got to say that. You got, from a business standpoint, they're playing against each other. They're using you to play against each other. That's right. Respectfully, that was the key word. Using, using right? you, how do we? Fi- how do you feel about that? I, I mean, you don't have a choice. Right, that's just the part. You of don't the game, have a right? choice. Right. You don't have a choice. You're you're broke. Right. You're trying to take care of your family. I, right. You know, I didn't sign a deal to be famous. I signed a deal to take care, care of my of your mother. Family, right. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's right. a different energy I'm moving with. So it's just, it is what it is, yeah. right? Like Kanye will still say things about like he don't read contracts. Right. He'll say so that right now. He just mm-hmm. said that this year, 2022. But you know what he also said. They asked him, how did he feel about being a billionaire? I think he asked some question about, someone asked on on Drink Champs about his relationship with Jason Lee. Mm-hmm. And he went on to say his biggest challenge now that he's a billionaire isn't about making more money. It's about keeping his money. 
and keeping other people from taking his money. Because you then become a target. So that chatty patty that you talk about then puts you on this pedestal of a target. Everybody's coming every which way but loose. And then you start to wonder, you start to feel paranoid, right? Did you ever go through that that phase? Yeah, up and here? So that's what's to tie back to what we were talking about. It's like, mm-hmm. boom, the chatty patty, and I put this target on my back. I watched my phone ring till it's dead. I'm like, and that's when I made the decision. And when I told you, I was like, I'd rather move, chase the, move with the energy than to chase the fame. That's right. I was like, nah, mm-hmm. I'm a dead this. I'm going to shoot this famous star in the face mm-hmm. or whatever, and I'm going to just grind it out on the ground because I am i can't deal with disloyal people. So you wanted people. to be undercover. I can't deal with disloyal people. So is that one of the reasons, what were your thoughts? So in, from a music perspective, you decided to be a writer because the fame of people knowing who you are was a little uh, disheartening. No, I just don't like bad business. And when I say bad business, is like I didn't like the chatty, patty aspect of business then. Um, I didn't get into writing until like almost the second five of my years. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was just because through the Grammy thing, because you talked about Grammy, mm-hmm. um, you know, I had a chance to uh, even own more of that song or get more money off of it. But I cared more about my craft. And the reason why I shot fame in the face was because I'd rather put that time into the craft. The craft is what allows you to last. Good business and the craft. Mm -hmm. I didn't have the craft locked in when I first started. Mm -hmm. I I was doing my homework and execute. Doing my homework and execute. But I'm still learning. It's a lot you got to learn in this Mm -hmm. game to just effortlessly move the way that I move now. You know what I'm saying? This 10 years was college. Mm -hmm. It was college and everything. You know what Mm -hmm. I'm saying? Like It was college and my first independent business. So now the second 10 is like, okay, let me do my corporation. So what's next? My corporation, you know what I'm saying? What in that corporation consists of? So I my enterprise, dad. my enterprise. So Dad Socks, which uh-huh. is a sock company I do with a black owned mm-hmm. um, sock factory here in Atlanta. Um, Homework, which is my clothing brand. We did a, a sneaker collab with Sockany, sold out. Um, all go everything. I own that now. The whereas all go everything. So that's a a, um, a licensing company where I partner with other companies to make gold items. Um, like one-on-one, you know, limited 50 mm-hmm. or whatever. Because mm-hmm. I want you to think about, it's not about how you think about me right now, but in 10 years, I want to be the name that you go to for getting all your gold items. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's New Year's, you need gold cups? You come, uh, go to Trinidad. Mm-hmm. You, know, you, you know where you got to go to. You ain't even, it ain't even about Trinidad no more. I wanted to make businesses that just implant into the culture. And you, and you look at it five years later, it's like, I got all this dad socks. Mm-hmm. I got all these homework tees or shoes and all these different things like it's just a regular thing like Hanes you don't think mm-hmm. about Hanes mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying it is yeah Zara you don't think about Zara mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying like I want a Zara your mom's still alive yeah she is so does she She's. I know she's extremely proud oh yeah yeah, yeah for sure uh-huh. for sure father for sure. your father oh yeah he's, he's my biggest fan okay he's my biggest fan That's you know good. that music allowed us to get back cool cause like I told you we stopped being cool when I left in 11th grade mm-hmm. to go to 12th grade. So we didn't get back cool until music. I know he probably said, what in the world when he saw mm-hmm. you up there doing everything? Because he's a musician. He played bass guitar. Okay, so you had it in you. You had it in you. Mm-hmm. But you got it. I always say to everybody, my friends, anybody, everybody has a song in them. You got to find it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You got to sing it. Mm-hmm. But everybody has a song in them, at least one. Mm-hmm. And you got to sing it. You got to figure out how to sing. You got to figure out the cadences, the melodies, the this, the that, the that. That's on you. It's work to find your song. But you have a song in you or whatever. And um, 
that was, like you said, like my pop is being, that was like, we had such a big disconnect for so many years because I've just been me. And like he is. Do you think he just didn't understand you? Yeah, he was even said it. Artist, so you, cause you're artsy. Yes. You're an artist. So over and beyond, if I saw you walk in the room and I didn't know that you were Trinidad James, I would know off the bat that you were an artist. Just because, like you said, your expression. Huh. And many people misread. Art- artistic expression. Right. And so do you think that was a large part of your father's? Oh, yeah, because it wasn't like I was a musician back then. I was just an artsy kid. Mm-hmm. I like clothes. Mm-hmm. I didn't like working on cars. Like, that's what my pop was done. He's restored and paints old school cars mm-hmm. for 50 years. Mm-hmm. He's always, my pop was always on his own business. Mm-hmm. He never worked for nobody. So you also got that entrepreneur from him as well. I definitely. Work, my workaholic. Blood, right. Yeah, my workaholic I got from my pops. Mm-hmm. If it's one thing, if we had never been cool, which I'll never discredit him for, he's the workaholic drug that he put into me. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But to play devil's advocate, and I can say that now, my 10th year in this game, I was like, Mm. the one thing that I'm going to do different than my pops is work smarter because he's just consistently and continuously worked hard. Mm-hmm. Whereas like, bro, why are you working this hard? Well, you know, our grandparents always told us you have to be the hardest worker. You have to do everything more. You got to do yeah. things three times more, which was with one of the biggest disadvantages they could have taught us. Right? Exactly. Don't but say that. But that's all they knew. Yeah, exactly. And that's so like, it's like, knew. I'm not mad at them or nothing. Mm-hmm. I, it's on me to be like, no, sir, I'm not going to work that hard and die. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna work smarter and die. If I never, I might never die. May- <laughs> I might never die. Yeah, I might live forever. The energy will always be here. You know what right? I'm saying? So right. it's like, now, nah, this 10 years, in fact, I look at life a decade at a time now, is about working smarter mm-hmm. with everything that I'm doing and building the enterprise that I'm proud of that takes care of my friends' family, my family's family, family. You know what I'm saying? And it's just always, uh, it's just implanting these things that are there. It's like, no matter who works at Adidas, Adidas is going to be there because right. it's implanted. It's Im- implanted. You know, Nike is going to be there. You have kids? No, I don't. No, and but you are a big proponent of DAD. Yeah, because DAD is the acronym for destroying all doubters. Okay. I'm an acronym junkie. Okay. So it's just been a thing It's started as like a, a catchphrase that we used to use mm-hmm. when I used to play ball in the, in the streets with my friends and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And then it became like a term of endearment. Like, oh, if, if I'm the freshest today, oh, you dad. You know what I'm saying? And I was just like, when I popped off in the music thing, I kind of just took certain things with me. My first album is called Don't Be Safe. Safe is an acronym for sensitive as fuck every day. Ah, you know what I'm okay, saying? So okay. it's like, I'm an acronym. Your mind is constantly going. Always thinking. Always like, if I thinking. see three letters, I'm always thinking, like, what it could mean. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? Yep. That type of thing. So um, that's the dad thing. I was, And it's just kind of like me getting more of my foot on the ground and understanding. It's like these things, a lot of million dollar businesses be in front of us, but we don't want to put the time in to actually like just really saw it out Mm -hmm. and file it down and and really put the work into it to actually make it a real thing. So Mm -hmm. shout out to the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Because if it wasn't for the pandemic, I wouldn't have been able to have my own sneaker and tell you that I sold it out. Mm. I wouldn't have been able to have my sock company, however, and we're successful. We're about to do a collab, God willing, with um, the PGA Tour. You know what I'm saying? That, Which is that's crazy. Huge. That's right? huge. Right? For us, huge, yeah. it shouldn't be like, oh my God, throw yeah, the flowers, but, but it is, is a big deal for us because deal. they don't really like, you know what I'm saying? So that's the second phase. Second you see know what I'm phase. saying? Mm-hmm. So, like, these are the barriers that we break down and we go through. It's like, bro, do I have a number one single on the charts right now? No, but I got to collab with the PGA Tour. And as and a black man, that's about. what I care about. Right. That's what matters. Like, those are the things that mm-hmm. we should always have a news channel to put those things out so you can consistently see the good things mm-hmm. that black people are doing. Because it's not just always based on the things that our music can do. Mm-hmm. 
It's not. not. We way bigger not. than that. You're way bigger. You know, so I understand. More complex. And that's one of the things I'm proud of with most of the musicians that are out here today because they are finding their tentacles in different places. Amen. They're starting off there and then moving in different places. But as we wrap, I do want to ask you a few questions in regards to your favorite hip-hop artist, right? Okay. Because okay? I told you before, I'm a hip-hop hip -hop person. We always close out your top five. What are you? Who are your top five influential hip-hop artists? Um... It's uh, Jay-Z, Andre 3000, Gucci Man, um, <clears throat> Ludacris, and uh, that fifth one is a toss-up. That Between. fifth one is a toss-up. A lot of people. It's too many people. It's mm. too many I people. I can't believe so you know Biggie? It's, it's not a nothing against him or whatever. It's, it's just tough. It's like, Nas. I don't want to be fake. I don't want to be fake. Okay. Um. Like, Jay-Z cancels out that Biggie and Nas for me. Why, why because I didn't, I wasn't like, I'm not a, I wasn't born in New York. Mm -hmm. So I'm a, I really got to understand music from Atlanta, listening to Jay-Z South Carolina mm -hmm. from a Southern perspective. Mm -hmm. So there's only so much I could be into Northern music, mm -hmm. being a Southerner. Mm -hmm. It's like, I ain't finna chase Nas if I got Andre 3000 in my Nobody face. Nobody from the West Coast? West Coast. That's in my top five? Mm -hmm. No. Nah. Not in my top five, mm -hmm. but I love Kendrick Lamar. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I love Kendrick Lamar. I love the game. For his artist, like nobody can mm -hmm. out rap the game. And you know what's funny is that Kendrick is a rapper, but I don't really see him as just a rapper. He just is like his 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 flow is so different. To me, he kind of gives me the vibes of what's the brother they did the movie on him, Black Messiah. Mm -hmm. That brother, that's who Kendrick Lamar reminds. He reminds me of a Black Panther. Yeah, a very smart very Black different. Panther. Yeah, and instead of like being like a talker, he's a rapper. He's a rapper, but he's still doing the things that mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. um, I'm on like a Stokely Carmichael would have been saying on the platform. Mm -hmm. He just raps it. Mm -hmm. He gives me that energy where it's like, nah, I'm very militant, brother. This is how I move. Like, this is how I move. My think tank is very different. solid. Very, very, very different. Yeah. Well, we want to say thank you again, um, James, for coming out today. Um, thank you. You taking the time out, spending some time with us, talking mm -hmm. about your future projects, as well as how you got to sit next to us here today. Thank you. Um, for all of my viewers out there, thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you in the next episode of Cornology. Hey, peace. Bye. You ain't getting no money if you constantly worried about what everybody else got to say. If you constantly got your eyes on what everybody else doing, you ain't getting no money. When it comes down to closing a deal, I get it done every single one.